Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud, what women are talking about on Wednesday, the 25th of May. My name is Holly Wainwright. My name's Mia Friedman. And my name's Emma Gillespie. I'm fake Jessie. Oh, <laughs> Jessie is away. She got on a plane. She's in the air. She's on her way Thank to God. the other Did side it. of the world. Far away from you, bitches. <laughs> exactly. Em, who is our producer, is very ably filling in for Jessie. Welcome, Em. Make yourself at home. Thank you for having me, my friends. On the show today, look, there's someone for everyone who wants to find reality TV love and the new three-headed Bachelor season. Well, almost. And why no one cares about your COVID anymore. But first... You can see in some of the images people running, um, children afterwards running for their lives. Officials also confirming that the students at this school were in grades two, three and four. Very little has changed in this country with gun control and gun laws. And here we are, another massacre, small children killed in their classrooms. I want to break up with America. I feel heartbroken today. I imagine most out louders know the news by now that there has been yet another mass shooting in an American school. At the time of recording this, 17 children You might hear them referred to as students, but let's call them what they are. They were children at a primary school. I believe they're in a year four class. So they would have been around eight years old and their teacher were murdered by an 18-year-old man who first reportedly murdered his grandmother and then drove to the school and murdered all these children and their teacher. You'll be shocked to hear that uh, thoughts and prayers are going out from politicians who voted in favour of more relaxed gun laws, including the governor of Texas, a man called Greg Abbott. In 2015, he sent a tweet noting that Texans were the second state in America in terms of the highest purchasers and owners of guns. And he urged his fellow Texans to hurry up, move along because they wanted to be at number one. And in 2021, he signed through legislation that would lower the age where you could buy a gun in Texas from 21 to 18. The shooter, as you may remember, was 18. But you don't even have to have a license to carry a gun openly in Texas And I've been feeling this way about America for a while, and of course it doesn't matter what I think, but it's a country that so many of us feel so fondly of. It's, you know, the greatest country in the world and land of the free, and certainly from a pop culture point of view, we grow up sort of idolising America, and it's the vanguard of so many things. 
But when it comes to things like gun violence, there aren't any other countries that have this number of mass shootings, No, literally nowhere in the world. Here's what President Joe Biden said just before we came to record this show. I just got off a trip from Asia meeting with Asian leaders, and I learned of this while I was on the aircraft. And what struck me on that 17-hour flight was these kinds of mass shootings rarely happen anywhere else in the world. They have mental health problems. They have people who are lost. But these kinds of mass shootings never happen with the kind of frequency they happen in America. Why? Why are we willing to live with this carnage? Where in God's name is our backbone to have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies? Time to turn this pain into action for every parent, for every citizen in this country, We have to make it clear to every elected official in this country, it's time to act. There's something called the Second Amendment, which is the right to bear arms that is held very sacred in the American Constitution. And it's something that Republican lawmakers on a state and a federal level and in the Supreme Court have defended again and again. And it's very interesting, the juxtaposition and why I've been feeling so demoralised about the state of America is that at the same time as this has happened, we're also probably just a couple of weeks away from abortion being made illegal in America when the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade. And it's worth noting that in Texas, which its governor, a man called Greg Abbott, proudly says, Texas will always be the leader in defending the Second Amendment, which is why we built a barrier around gun rights this year. He said this before the shooting. But as of September last year, around the same time that these gun laws were being relaxed so that 18-year-olds could purchase a gun with no background checks or anything, Texas introduced some of the most draconian abortion laws in the world, actually, certainly in America. We talked about them on this show where if you are an Uber driver, for example, or a regular citizen who drives a pregnant woman to a place where she has an abortion, you can be sent to jail. That is a crime. And if you are that Uber driver and someone jobs you in, they can get themselves $10,000 for jobbing in someone who has assisted with an abortion. Holly, um, I'm not even angry. I'm just... I just don't understand. I just don't understand America where the idea of guns having more rights than humans and children being murdered, as we saw in Sandy Hook a number of years ago, where not one thing changed. I think it was 22 children and preschoolers were murdered at Sandy Hook. No new laws came in. I mean, it strikes me that guns seem to have more rights than women in a place like Many Texas. More rights than women. And I can't stop thinking about the fact that this happened in a school and how in Australia schools have to be one of the safest places in the country, right? Primary schools especially. I voted in a primary school on Saturday in our federal election, as I'm sure many out louders did. And when I was there inside the school hall, I remember looking around and thinking what a safe, warm, lovely place it was and how fondly we think of our primary schools. There were paintings everywhere. Did you have to do lockdown drills when you were at primary school? Because my kids always have. We didn't when we were at school. I did in high school but mm. not when I was in primary school. But I, I've i grown up with this. All I remember are mass shootings and we're so desensitised to these headlines. You know, it was 10 days ago that there was a shooting in Buffalo when 10 black people were killed 
in a racially motivated hate crime by a white supremacist. A lot of people probably scrolled past that headline. And can you blame them? We see these headlines all the time and it's not until children die that we stop in our tracks and we say, okay, that's pretty intense. It's just the same thing over and over and you hear the frustration in Joe Biden's address. I want to play this grab for you from um, a senator in the US, Chris Murphy. He, I believe, represents a part of Connecticut where Sandy Hook was or is close by to Sandy Hook and we all know about that horrific shooting. He gave this speech in Congress a few hours ago. What are we doing? Just days after a shooter walked into a grocery store to gun down African-American patrons, we have another Sandy Hook on our hands. What are we doing? There have been more mass shootings than days in the year. Our kids are living in fear every single time they set foot in the classroom because they think they're going to be next. What are we doing? Why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate? Why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job, of putting yourself in a position of authority? If your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing. What are we doing? Why are you here if not to solve a problem as existential as this? That Buffalo shooting that he mentioned was the deadliest shooting this year so far. And that's what all the news coverage said, deadliest shooting this year so far. As if after that so far, there's an ellipsis that says, until next time, you know, Mm. until Until 10 days later. Until today. I feel very emotional, as you've pointed out, Em, There have been mass shootings in very recent times in America that have targeted African-Americans, a gay club, churchgoers, grocery shoppers, every section of the community, people at a country music festival. You know, every section of the community in a way in America is affected Mm. by this. And I know that it might seem that it takes the slaughter of children for the world to sit up and listen, but... It is so unimaginable to Australians in particular, but not only Australians, as Biden pointed out, most of the rest of the world, Mm. that there were parents in Texas yesterday who got an alert on their phone telling them that there was an active shooter at their child's school and do not come to pick them up. The kids all need to be, and these kids are aged between seven and 10. These kids all need to be accounted for before they're sent home. Of course they do. Think about getting that message. Think about all of the other kids at that school who saw what happened. Think about the teachers who are going to work in America every day, all over America, in fear for their lives. Traumatised for the rest of their lives. Think about how terrified all those little children must have been. And that's the reality that Biden is trying to drive home, that Murphy, the senator we just heard from, is trying to drive home, that after that high school shooting several years ago, a group of very articulate and brave high school students tried to drive home. And as Mia has said, it doesn't change and it doesn't change. And one of the reasons for it, and Jesse isn't here, so I'm bringing it, is capitalism. Guns make a lot of money in America. This weekend, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, are having one of their massive gun fairs. The tagline for it is 14 acres of guns and gear. Donald Trump is one of the guest speakers. The gun market in America is worth more than $63 billion. And then knock on from that is the market of all the protection against guns that businesses and schools and hospitals and organizations have to put in. So four years ago, American schools had spent almost $3 billion on increased security to try and keep shooters out. Just think about 
this reality. And it's a dark and horrifying idea to stare down. But these kids, 18 kids and their teacher, that poor fucking teacher, are collateral damage in an arms business that wants to keep growing and won't be stopped. And special interest groups who twist this message to make it about freedom, freedom for an 18-year-old boy to walk into a shop and buy two assault rifles. Assault rifles, they like that because they're really expensive and they make the most money and they make the most profit. So they market them really heavily as a really good idea. And that is what you're looking at. And it's just... It's just devastating. And as Joe Biden said, who needs an assault rifle if not to kill someone? Like, why do you need to have that in your arsenal? During the pandemic, gun sales skyrocketed in America, as if there weren't enough guns in America. But there was that real sense of the government and what's happening and a pandemic. What will I do? And you just know what's going to happen. The gun lobby will come out and say if there were more guns in schools... If the yeah. teacher was armed. Those teachers should have been armed. Yeah. The teachers should have been armed and there should have been security and more guns. And the answer to gun violence is more guns. And, and as you say, Holly, how convenient. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. The Bachelor is back for its 10th season, but this time with a twist. The Bachelor, it's coming back 10 years of The Bachelor. I can't believe we're talking about this. What is there left to say about this show? (laughs) Well, I am going to tell you why. Mia so didn't want to do this, but I'm going to change your mind. So The Bachelor is coming back for a 10th season, and this week it was announced that not one, not two, but three men will be joining the franchise in their search for everlasting love. Are they triplets? That would be a lot more interesting than what I'm about to tell you. So when I saw the headlines, Three Bachelors, my initial reaction was, great, one of them must be queer. Perhaps one of them is racially diverse. Maybe we've got a bit of age diversity there. An older divorced Mm. man, Yeah, single dad. Single dad. So many possibilities for inclusivity with three bachelors. Well, I was wrong. They're all straight. They're three straight white dudes. Em, you're really underselling this. They are so diverse. One of them has tattoos. One of them has tattoos on his (laughs) neck. So lock up your daughters. One of them looks like every other bachelor who's come before him. So I would say he's like the conventionally hot one. Then we've got a machine gun Kelly looking one. So he ticks the manic pixie dream boyfriend box. So he's that kind of hot. It's quite hot right now. Yeah, I mean, very hot right now. I personally find it hot, but it seems to be quite of the moment. Yeah, and not like other hotnesses. And then the third guy has maybe three or four grey hairs. So he's ticking the ruggedly hot Was box. he a silver fox? How old is he? I think they're all in their 20s and 30s. He's in his early 30s because we did think he was a silver fox, but then we checked and I think he's 32. Yeah. So, I can't, so he's just prematurely greying. I can't reiterate enough how not breaking the mould each of them are. After last year's Bachelorette, we saw Brooke Blurton. She was celebrated as being the first 
queer person on Bachelor or Bachelorette, first First Nations person on Bachelor or Bachelorette. She was so many firsts and it was such a celebration, her season. For the franchise and for Bachelor fans, everyone rejoiced, except we know that didn't reflect in the ratings. I think coming into this season of Bachelor, we were expecting to build on that momentum. We were expecting more. What did you think you might see? If they were going to go for three, give me someone who's interested in multiple genders. Give me someone who's got an interesting backstory, like maybe the single dad, Mm. someone who's been through any level of adversity in their life at all whatsoever. Oh, I'm sure that these three all have their sob stories sorted out. Don't you worry about that, Em. Surely. One of them stubbed their toe last week. One of them had COVID. Sounds like it's going to be very hard to keep track of in terms of, what, there's three guys, there's how many girls. Like the maths alone just seems so hard. In defence of this travesty, the only positive... How's Osher going to keep his lines straight? I know, it's going to be complex. One positive, there'll be no separation between the contestants apparently, so the bachelors could potentially date all the same women, so from the same pool, and then when it comes to the end, ultimately a woman could be choosing the man. So she might decide at the finale who she picks, which gives a bit more power to the contestant. I don't even understand. I'm already lost. Holly, it's loose. Help. Here's your problem, Em. We need to stop looking to commercial television ventures to tell us everything we want reflected back at us about our nation. They are never going to do it for you because they are commercial television ventures. So last year, you're right, there was a mass outpouring of excitement. Brooke Blurton had both men and women on her season. It was different. She was a First Nations woman. It was great. Nobody watched it. Now, I am not saying for a minute, do not at me, I am not saying for a minute nobody wants to see that. I don't think that's true at all. I think everybody's tired of this whole conceit. I don't think it matters Mm. who you put in that seat. So I think that everybody who's saying there's no diversity and that's the problem is wrong. I think the problem is this whole idea is over. (laughs) Yes. I love The Bachelor. I've watched every season. I love this franchise. I love dating shows. Really? But I think the dating shows are over. But what about maths? Don't you watch Married at First Sight? I don't really see maths in like the dating show category because to me it's it's more just just like a car accident in TV form. It's more like Daily Mail content for the next six months. Yeah. Yeah, and Adrian Tam wrote on Mamma Mia this week in response to this. She was saying, you can't look to people of colour to be magic bullets on a TV show that is basically about Mm. entertainment and ratings. She said, you know, last year's Bachelor was Jimmy Nicholson, whose heritage was Fijian and Kiwi, failed to attract an audience. Again, not because of that, not because of that at all, but just because the whole thing is tired. So what Channel 10 are doing is reaching around for anything that's exciting. Now It's a reach around. Yeah, yeah. it's a reach around very much. And they're going, well, we have three guys. The women are going to have to compete for them. That will make drama. I mean, I guess there's a tiny silver lining in that the women are no longer all just lining up waiting to be chosen by one man. They can, I don't know, they can decide which one's better than the other one. I think it's hilarious that they've tried to give a man for every white lady. There's the man if you like super slick gym bros and there's a white man if you want to be Megan to the machine gun Kelly situation and there's a white man for you if you want to be like a yoga loving ever so slightly silver guy. Like they're trying really hard and bless them but I think that the... My type's not in there. No, or mine. But I think that the expectation that commercial TV ventures are going to solve all the representation issues in media is just misplaced. But Hol, I don't really accept that because 
it doesn't have to be the magic bullet if the expectation is that that will be the magic bullet and that will save the franchise. Someone somewhere has to make a decision that different types of people on these shows shouldn't be once every five years when we get a brook, that that should just be the norm. And if diversity doesn't save the ratings or we didn't see a spike because we had a more inclusive bachelorette, why are three dudes going to work any better? They're not going to work any better. Mm -hmm. They're just looking for things for more drama because maths has reset the script and lifted the bar from the floor to the ceiling in terms of drama. I mean, you could actually argue they've dropped the bar from the ceiling to the basement Mm -hmm. in terms of drama, but either way, they just want drama, 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 three men, women fighting over them. Won't that be fun? And we can all just yawn, I think. Good evening, ladies. It's been quite an emotional week. Have you made the most... If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for M Plus subscribers. To get full access, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash M Plus. That's M P L U S, or follow the link in the episode description. Do either of you know how many people tested positive for COVID yesterday? What our testing numbers were? Oh, goodness. It's been a long time since I've thought about this, even though I used to watch a daily press <laughs> conference how about religiously? it for months. It's 10.59. Turn the TV on. And I could have told you how many people in Tasmania had COVID <laughs> on any given day of the week for a period of about six months. Oh, it'd be in the thousands. Is it in the 10,000s? Maybe in the 10,000s? I think 000? a few thousand. I also think people don't want to download the app and lodge their positive rat test. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm going to say 3,572. Oh, I like your specificity. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to say 7,950. Mia's correct. Approximately 9,000 people tested positive for COVID in I Australia said 7, yesterday. I 7,000. Yeah, but you're, close, you're closer. Okay. So oh, you're I'm not closer. correct. You're closer. Okay. As in, you're warmer I'll than take M. that. Exactly. As M referenced, there will be a lot more people than that who actually have COVID and got mm. COVID yesterday. Testing is patchy these days, let's face it. There have been more than 7 million cases nationwide now. Our death toll stands at over eight thousand, which is tiny compared to other nations, but still. And yet I think that the people who tested positive for COVID yesterday are facing something quite different to those of us who tested positive, even I'd say a few months ago. I reckon they would have told their friends and family, someone would have sent them a sad face emoji and then moved on with their lives and asked them whether or not they're going to go to work tomorrow. Because I think that unlike many of us who had it before, and Em and I are both January COVID people, we got like shocked face emojis and we mm. got care packages and food deliveries and people were checking in on us so all the much time. Sympathy. You made TikTok stories. Is that even a thing? <laughs> but you created it content around it we that did. people consumed eagerly. And now people are just like, oh, are you taking any time off? And given that lots of people are planning those long, longed-for holidays and things, the answer is often no. I'm not taking any time off. I'm just pushing on through, obviously not going out and infecting everybody, but if I can, dialing into work tomorrow. Nobody seems to give a shit about your COVID Mm -mm. anymore, people, and I think we might have caring fatigue. Mia, is that fair? Because you haven't had it yet, and if and when you get it, are you expecting a January level of sympathy? Oh, my God. I don't even know. Well, I mean, you can't technically leave the house if you've got COVID. You still have to isolate for seven days, according to health regulations. But I think that 
flu is the new COVID because 100%. people who are getting the proper flu, I don't mean like, uh uh-huh, I've got the flu, when you've just got a runny nose and a headache, but I mean the proper flu, which is really nasty and seems to be going around this year. I know that people who've had that and then I know people who've had COVID and the people with flu have been much sicker than the COVID people. Like I went to a party on Saturday night and I went there fully expecting to either get COVID or the flu. I'm like, the mm. only question is which one? Because we know that particularly parties, funerals, they tend to be the super spreader events, big family gatherings. Well, so far, touch wood, I haven't. But I was also just very, well, you know, if I get it, I get it. I'm not, I'm not changing my life belly at all anymore. Yeah, because we've moved past the point of thinking that we can run and hide from it. And also we have gotten so tired with missing out on things that are fun and that we want to do. And so you do run that risk now and we're much more confident with running that risk. I'd say Hol and I probably a little bit more than you, Mia, because we still believe that we have superpower antibodies Mm. that are protecting us. Which just for as a side note, we definitely do not anymore. Don't say it, Hol. (laughs) Our ability to give a shit about other people, I think, dwindled a long time ago in this space. But I think this rise in flu cases and like it's horrific. There's thousands and thousands of cases, at least in New South Wales and Queensland, where the vaccine is now free, the flu vaccine. We forgot that you could get sick from anything other than COVID. Mm -hmm. So now we're remembering that in the before times, oh, yeah, you, you could get really sick from many, many things at any time and be struck down by it. My question for you two is, have managers in workplaces been very good role models here? Because they're the ones who worked through COVID. They're the ones who now, unless it is COVID, it's kind of like you can't take a beat to have a lie down and do what you got to do. Was the expectation when you got it whole back in January that you work through. I know you tried to come back after a week. You couldn't work through. You were so sick. I was sick, so I didn't. And I did try and come back. That's because you're weak. Yeah. I did try and come back. And then I was quickly benched because it was obvious that I was not right. So I want to raise a flag, obviously, for the fact that COVID hits people differently. Like we all know that now, right? We all know enough people who've had it. And I've got people who I manage at work now who've got COVID or recently had COVID who have worked through from home as was their choice, who haven't been too sick. And then there are other people who've been flawed. And it's interesting. Good question, Em, because I read this column by Anne Helen Peterson this week about this. And she said, your manager will probably say to you, take some time if you need it. And then it's up to you to decide whether or not you need it. And she said, what the trend is, is to what they call ambient working, which is maybe not work as hard as you would on a normal day, but definitely keep up with emails, maybe pop into a few meetings and just kind of have your slack open. Ambient lower energy working, right? I think that's really interesting because this was the thing before COVID is when you're sick, should you take a sick day? If you can, this is obviously people who are privileged enough to have sick leave and Mm. all of those things. Should you take a sick leave day and turn it off and lie on the bed? Or should you go, I'll just work from home today and be a bit coffee, but still turn up in meetings and do emails? Now, I would argue that it's much better for you to recover. Definitely my personal experience of COVID is I Mm. needed to rest. Trying to do emails and calls and writing in bed and stuff was not good for me. 
But I know other people who are like, I want to work through it. I need the distraction. I feel fine. Is it my responsibility to turn them off? I think you just have to make them feel like they can, like especially somewhere like Mamma Mia or in the media industry, I think there's a higher level of, would you call it like presenteeism, people who don't Yeah, we have to send, you know, we joke that instead of sickies, we have wellies, (laughs) people who turn up at work. This is pre-COVID, but people who turn up at work and we used to have this thing, the red card, where someone will be at work and they'll be coughing and it'll be red card, go home. It'll be like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And it's like, no, go home. I wonder if it's, yeah, if it's an industry specific thing where you sort of, you have more of an urge to want to press on or if it's just a, a women thing. Shout out to all the stay-at-home mums or parents of little children, whether you're a stay-at-home mum or not. It's not like you can take sick leave from parenting. You know, my friends who've been at home with COVID and still having to look after kids, that is brutal, man, and particularly the single mums. COVID too, you yeah. know. So I think it's interesting because no one does give a shit about your COVID anymore. You're not getting a care basket, but it does still hit some people, particularly vulnerable people, very hard. We need to keep reminding ourselves that it's Mm. not just a cold. I have a recommendation. Now, I want to flag in advance over the coming weeks. I've got so many recos in the can because I got (laughs) so tired of every planning meeting. You lot, oh, I don't know what to reco. So I'm coming in to save the day. Okay, good. (laughs) It's a show on Prime Video called 10%. It's a British take on Call My Agent, which is I'm a French that show. Too. Yeah. I haven't watched the French show, but I know lots of outlouders love it. Love it. So it's set in a London talent agency. There's lots of big name cameos like Helena Bonham Carter, Emma Corrin, Dominic oh West. It's a bit silly. It's very fun. It's all about sort of, you know, really precious talent and how these agents sort of, you know, run around and do everything they can to please everyone. Mm. It's fun. It's really British. Hull, I think you might like it. Sounds great. It's Prime Video, but it's got that very kind of BBC sort of style of humour, quirky, good time. Yeah, it's a little bit like The Office. So I don't have to have watched Call My Agent because I've never watched it, even though everyone in the world, including my mother, has been telling me to watch that for years. Look, as someone who's watched both... Call My Agent is brilliant. I absolutely love it. This is a French one. And I loved it particularly because I thought I don't usually like doing things with subtitles, but what it made me do was really focus Focus. and I was devastated when it ended. The first episode of what's it called? 10%. 10%. Which is how much the agency takes of the actor salaries. The first episode is almost a play-by-play remake of the French one and it's quite weird. They've even cast it Mm. with very similar looking actors but then from what I understand it then doesn't stick as religiously to the French plot as I think people who love the the French one are maybe frustrated that it's not different enough yeah I I haven't seen the French one so for me it's all new and exciting yeah if you're not a fan of subtitles it's a good place to start (laughs) 10% on prime video Thank you for listening to Mamma Mia Out Loud today. The episode is produced by Liza Ratliff and Em Gillespie. She's doing double duty, so thank you, Em. Now, remember, when you become a Mamma Mia subscriber, you get access to every podcast, exclusive videos, and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And, of course, you'll be supporting us, Australia's only women's media company and our team of female journalists and producers. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.